Let's go. 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 Let's Welcome back to MBA University. Today is, I always forget to think about the date, uh, <laughs> it's Saturday, February 16th. Uh, we are recording this um, just after Maryland had a tough loss um, to Michigan. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Figured I'd bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Could have just said All-Star Weekend or something. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Um, had to bring up, even though this is the NBA episode, I just wanted to... <laughs> let Zach or remind Zach that Maryland just lost. Um, yeah, well, Texas is on in a little bit, so we'll talk later on at the end of the podcast how that goes. Well, Texas is actually winning forty-two to thirty-four right now, so yeah, so per- just enough time for them to blow up by the time we finish the podcast. <laughs> you know, I I'm not gonna say anything for my life. <laughs> um, but today is our NBA episode. We're gonna go over the All Star Weekend, go through the events, uh, talk about who we think is going to win there, maybe some dark horses to look out for, um, and then talk a little bit about what's going to happen after the All-Star break, uh, what teams do we think are going to sort of t- take it up a notch and, and increase their playoff seed, um, and then what teams going to fall off and possibly um, fall out of the playoffs. Uh, so, and then obviously get into a Western Conference and an Eastern Conference team. Um, but first, we'll start with the All-Star Weekend. Uh, we'll go in order of the events. So the first event is going to be the Skills Challenge. Um, who, do you, who do you like in that? And now, let's meet your 2018 Taco Bell Skills Challenge participants. Um, this one's tough for me. There's like four or five guys I think have a legit shot to win it. Um, but my my official pick is going to be Trey Young. I think he really loves the spotlight and things like this and likes to step up in these big moments. And uh, that can hurt him in this or it can help him because he can either showboat a little bit and just have it go really bad or he can really focus and turn it up. Um, and because shooting is a part of this, I think, still, if, I, if they didn't change it too much on me where you have to make a three, there's some other guys that I think might – not make the first one um, and Trey's been hot lately so hopefully that helps him out so Trey's gonna be my main pick yeah actually Trey was gonna be my pick but obviously since he did that um, I'm gonna look at De'Aaron Fox uh, simply because he's the fastest guy in the league <laughs> yep. um, his jump shot has in, uh, improved incredibly this year and he has an underrated passing ability so I think he'll be able to get through that section of it but his his speed is going to give him time to miss one or two shots or passes and be able to uh, still win out. So I think with his speed alone, um, he's going to be tough to beat. Um, any dark horses? Or what about let's let's pick a big that we think could win. Um, I mean, you go first so you can take him. Thanks. <laughs> so Jokic is mine. <laughs> he 
he's just far too skilled. And despite his um, bag of milk body frame um, <laughs> and his lack of speed, he's just so incredibly skilled that he can go through each section one try. And uh, I don't think he's going to win, but uh, I think he has the best shot as a big. Instead of choosing one of the bigs, can I just talk about how why Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma are even involved in this? <laughs> sure. Like, what the... So my other choices besides Jokic are Vucevic, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, and, I mean, Luka doesn't count. He's a guard. So, how? first of all, Tatum, not really known as a passer, if he's even known at all for anything. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, a scorer. Vucevic... Just a big, like, that, I mean, he's got decent passing ability and, like, can kind of handle it and stuff, but to be in a skills challenge is a major stretch, um, which is why I have not talked about any of those people. So that's how I got out of saying who the big is that's going to have a chance because it's obviously Jokic and my dark horse. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I think, is a really – he's got a really good chance because, like you said, his speed, but the only thing I don't know is – this really comes down to who's going to try to win it, basically. Yep. And I don't know if he's going to be completely locked in trying to win it or if he's just kind of enjoying the moment. Um, but my dark horse is Mike Conley because I think he's just going to eat up this moment of All-Star weekend. And even though it's not the actual All-Star game at, uh, tonight, but he's going to I think he's going to come out and be super focused and try really hard to win it. And he has all the skills needed to win this challenge. So that's my dark horse. Yeah, I think Conley can do, definitely do it if he wants to. Um, he's very skilled as well and does everything right, so I would not be shocked. But Trey and De'Aaron, I feel like I don't... Because it's typically, uh, going through the past winners, uh, typically younger guys. Um, I mean, the only veteran to really win it at the time was is Tony Parker and Steve Nash, and that was way back in the day. Um, so it's typically a young guy that, that comes out and wins. Uh, so I, I think Trey or De'Aaron Fox have the best chance. Um, but now let's jump into the next event, which is the, the three-point contest. Um, so who's your, who's your pick for this? NBA fans around the globe, welcome to the JBL three-point contest. Now let's meet the shooters. I truly think it's going to come down to the hometown kids and Steph and uh, Seth, but obviously Steph's the better shooter of the of the brothers, um, and I think he's just going to want to win this so bad, and if he's going to be that focused as the best shooter of all time, it's going to be pretty tough to pick against them. Yeah, it's never easy to pick against the best shooter of all time, um, but... With that being said, <laughs> um, my pick is Buddy Heald. Ooh. Uh, he is shooting 45% from three this year, which is insane because he's taking nearly eight threes a game. Um, and the way I look at three-point contest, um, there's a certain form for it. So... Um, Guys who have limited lift off their jump shot are typically ones that win. So guys that are a few inches off the floor um, and have a quick release, um, which is something Buddy Heald has. And I do know Steph has a really quick release. Um, 
Seth has jumps quite um, quite a bit on his jump shot. Um, but like guys like Dirk, he well he just can't get off the floor anymore. Um, but I think Buddy, I think this is Buddy's time to shine in a, a national spotlight. Yeah, I like that pick. So my my dark horse is going to be another guy with hometown connections, um, and Danny Green from played at North Carolina, obviously back in Charlotte for the for the shootout, and he was talking last night because uh, he was one of the broadcasters for the Rising Stars game, and he was very confident in his abilities. I'm less confident in his abilities, but I do think he's a guy that could surprise people and have like a 25, 26 point round and get in the conversation. Yeah. Um, he, he does have a little bit of a lift on his shot, so I worry a little bit about him, uh, but he's definitely capable. But my dark horse, I, you keep saying hometown, and you've named three guys that I wasn't thinking. <laughs> well, I guess I could have thought of. I was thinking of Kemba because like, he plays for the actual team. But <laughs> um, my dark horse is uh, Chris Middleton. I think he's someone that can get hot, and uh, he's either going to win it or be the first one out and have the lowest <laughs> score. Like there's no no in between for me. Uh, but he has a slight fade to his his three, which could hurt him. Um, but he's not a he does not a big jumper. Uh, he jumps forward when he shoots, um, so he'll have to get back each time. But I think he'll have no problem getting around. It's just if he's feeling it or not. Um, really depends. <laughs> yeah, this field's loaded, and we went through pick pretty much pick four people and talked about a few others and still didn't mention Devin Booker, who's the reigning champ. So that tells you a lot about the field. But uh, as a little segue, do you think that the, the three-point contest is past the dunk contest as like a must-watch event on the weekend? Uh, I think it's a lot closer now. Uh, it's, I think, at least for me, I still have, I hold out the hope for the right. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon dunk contest. Right. Uh, and every year I'm like, okay, we're going to get it again. Like, Sometimes it disappoints, sometimes it's that. So, um, three-point contest is consistent. It is what it is. Like, you're not, nothing crazy is going to happen. No one's going to shoot underhanded or anything, anything more exciting than a normal shooting contest. But I think now, the only difference now is the, the quality of talent throughout. Um, as shooters, is a lot better. Um, I, I saw a story this morning about Larry Bird asking the guys he was competing against in the three-point contest who's who's playing for second. Yeah. And he ended up winning with this shooting warm-up on. So. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the overall talent, like you said, has gotten a lot better than the three-point contest. And you go from guys like, no offense, but Jason Capono winning to guys like Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, uh, like, just all-world shooters. Um, and And – I think you nailed it perfectly that like the dunk contest is all about your hope and potential and it could so easily be the coolest thing that weekend because there could be guys doing things that you just did not think were possible. Um, but at the same time, it could be guys just not to make it sound casual, but doing like the 360 between the legs, things like that, um, that we've seen a million. I think that's part of the problem. We've seen a lot of dunks so many times that it's kind of hard for these guys to just come up with brand new dunks we haven't seen. Like I saw a video today of the Gerald Green blowing out the birthday candle on the 
yeah. on the back of the rim that like that's just different that that's that makes it fun to watch but um you definitely always the dunk contest is always going to have the ability to be the best event but it's just a matter of living up to the expectation sometimes yeah and so with the three-point contest I was just looking through so the first 10 years is it around from so from 86 to 95 um there was five winners so Larry Bird won it three times Craig Hodges won it three times and Price won it twice um now you look we haven't had a, a back-to-back winner since 07-08 when Jason Capono won it. Um, so it's, there's just, and there's bigs now winning it. So Kevin Love won it in 2012. Um, and all these guys are, there's a lot more talent throughout. Yeah, each and they're legit all-star basketball players that are in the contest. And they're also really good shooters. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where it hit kind of a low point. Um we just kind of had random guys in there, like Vashawn Leonard winning in 2004. Um, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't in the league very long. Um, but, yeah, now the three-point contest is just is, – is definitely a lot more exciting. Um, but I take – I find the anticipation of the dunk contest a little better because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and you got – I think everyone in the field right now has a 40-inch vertical, at least. So it's like absolutely... It's pretty much like a stipulation. <laughs> yeah. If you can't jump that high, you're not in it. <laughs> you're not tall enough to ride this ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's transition dunk contest. Who do you got? Welcome back to MBA University. Today is, I always forget to think about the date, uh, <laughs> it's Saturday, February 16th. Uh, we are recording this um, just after Maryland had a tough loss um, to Michigan. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Figured I'd bring that up. <laughs> Could have just said All-Star Weekend or something. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Um, had to bring up, even though this is the NBA episode, I just wanted to... <laughs> Let Zach or remind Zach that Maryland just lost. Um, yeah, well, Texas is on in a little bit, so we'll talk later at the end of the podcast how that goes. Well, Texas is actually winning forty-two to thirty-four right now, so yeah, so per- just enough time for them to blow up by the time we finish podcast. <laughs> you know, I I'm not gonna say anything for my life. <laughs> um, but today is our NBA episode. We're gonna go over the All Star Weekend, go through the events, uh, talk about who we think is going to win there, maybe some dark horses to look out for, um, and then talk a little bit about what's going to happen after the All-Star break, uh, what teams do we think are going to sort of t- take it up a notch and, and increase their playoff seed, um, and then what team's going to fall off and possibly um, fall out of the playoffs. Uh, so, and then obviously get into a Western Conference and an Eastern Conference team. Um, but first, we'll start with the All-Star Weekend. Uh, we'll go in order of the events. So the first event is going to be the Skills Challenge. Um, who do you who do you like in that? Um, this one's tough for me. There's like four or five guys I think have a legit shot to win it. Um, but my, my official pick is going to be Trey Young. I think he really loves the spotlight and things like this. 
and likes to step up in these big moments. And uh, that can hurt him in this or it can help him because he can either showboat a little bit and just have it go really bad or he can really focus and turn it up. Um, and because shooting is a part of this, I think, still, if I if they didn't change it too much on me where you have to make a three, there's some other guys that I think might not make the first one. Um, and Trey's been hot lately, so hopefully that helps him out. So Trey's going to be my main pick. Yeah, actually, Trey was going to be my pick, but obviously since he did that, um, I, I'm going to look at De'Aaron Fox uh, simply because he's the fastest guy in the league. <laughs> yep. Um, his jump shot has uh, improved incredibly this year, and he has an underrated passing ability, so I think he'll be able to get through that section of it, but his his speed is going to give him time to miss one or two shots or passes and be able to uh, still win out. So I think with his speed alone, um, he's going to be tough to beat. Um, any dark horses? Or what about, let's, let's pick a big that we think will win. Um, I mean, <laughs> you go first so you can take him. Thanks. <laughs> so Jokic is mine. <laughs> He's just far too skilled, and despite his um, bag of milk body frame um, <laughs> and his lack of speed, he's just so incredibly skilled that he can go through each section one try. And uh, I don't think he's going to win, but uh, I think he has the best shot as a big. Instead of choosing one of the bigs, can I just talk about how why Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma are even involved in this? <laughs> sure. Like, what the... So my other choices besides Jokic are Vucevic, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, and, I mean, Luka doesn't count. He's a guard. So, how? first of all, Tatum, not really known as a passer, if he's even known at all for anything. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, a scorer. Vucevic... Just a big like that. I mean, he's got decent passing ability and like can kind of handle it and stuff. But to be in a skills challenge is a major stretch, um, which is why I have not talked about any of those people. So that's how I got out of saying who the big is that's going to have a chance because it's obviously Jokic and my dark horse, um, De'Aaron Fox. I think is a really he's got a really good chance because, like you said, his speed. But the only thing I don't know is. This really comes down to who's going to try to win it, basically. Yep. I don't know if he's going to be completely locked in trying to win it or if he's just kind of enjoying the moment. Um, but my dark horse is Mike Conley because I think he's just going to eat up this moment of All-Star weekend. And even though it's not the actual All-Star game uh, tonight, but he's going to I think he's going to come out and be super focused and try really hard to win it. And he has all the skills needed to win this challenge. So that's my dark horse. Yeah, I think Conley can do, definitely do it if he wants to. Um, he's very skilled as well and does everything right, so I would not be shocked. But Trey and De'Aaron, I feel like I looked... Because it's typically, uh, going through the past winners, um, typically younger guys. Um, I mean, the only veteran to really win it at the time was is Tony Parker and Steve Nash, and that was way back in the day. Um, so it's typically a young guy that, that comes out and wins. Uh, so I, I think Trey or De'Aaron Fox have the best chance. Um, but now let's jump into the next event, which is the, the three-point contest. Um, so who's your, who's your pick for this? I truly think it's going to come down to the hometown kids and Steph and 
uh, Seth, but obviously Steph's the better shooter of the of the brothers, um, and I think he's just going to want to win this so bad, and if he's going to be that focused as the best shooter of all time, it's going to be pretty tough to pick against them. Yeah, it's never easy to pick against the best shooter of all time. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> <laughs> um, my pick is Buddy Heald. Ooh. Uh, he is shooting 45% from three this year, which is insane because he's taking nearly eight threes a game. Um, and the way I look at three-point contest. Um, there's a certain form for it. So um, guys who have limited lift off their jump shot are typically ones that win. So guys that are a few inches off the floor um, and have a quick release, um, which is something Buddy Heald has. And I do know Steph has a really quick release. Um, Seth has, jumps quite, um, quite a bit on his jump shot. Um, but like guys like Dirk... He well, he just can't get off the floor anymore. Um, but I think Buddy, I think this is Buddy's time to shine in a, a national spotlight. Yeah, I like that pick. So my my dark horse is going to be another guy with hometown connections, um, and Danny Green from played at North Carolina, obviously back in Charlotte for the for the shootout and he was talking last night because uh, he was one of the broadcasters for the rising stars game and he was very confident in his abilities i'm less confident in his abilities but i do think he's a guy that could surprise people and have like a 25 26 point round and get in the conversation yeah um he he does have a little bit of a lift on his shot so i worry a little bit about him uh, but he's definitely capable but my dark horse, I, you keep saying hometown, and you've named three guys that I wasn't thinking. <laughs> well, I guess I could have thought of. I was thinking of Kemba because like, he plays for the actual team. But <laughs> um, my dark horse is uh, Chris Middleton. I think he's someone that can get hot, and uh, he's either going to win it or be the first one out and have the lowest <laughs> score. Like there's no no in between for me. Uh, but he has a slight fade to his his three, which could hurt him. Um, but he's not a he doesn't not a big jumper. Uh, he jumps forward when he shoots, um, so he'll have to get back each time. But I think he'll have no problem getting around. It's just if he's feeling it or not. Um, really depends. Yeah, this field's loaded, and we went through picks pretty much picked four people and talked about a few others and still didn't mention Devin Booker, who's the reigning champ. So that tells you a lot about the field. But uh, as a little segue, do you think that the, the three-point contest is past the dunk contest as like a must-watch event on the weekend? Uh, I think it's a lot closer now. Uh, it's I think, at least for me, I still have I hold out the hope for the right. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon dunk contest. Right. Uh, and every year I'm like, okay, we're going to get it again. Like. Sometimes it disappoints, sometimes it's that. So, um, three-point contest is consistent. It is what it is. Like, you're not, nothing crazy is going to happen. No one's going to shoot underhanded or anything, anything <laughs> more exciting than a normal shooting contest. But I think now, the only difference now is the, the quality of talent throughout. Um, 
as shooters is a lot better. Um, I, I saw a story this morning about Larry Bird asking the guys he was competing against in the three-point contest who's, who's playing for second. Yeah. And he ended up winning with his shooting warm-up on. So. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the overall talent, like you said, has gotten a lot better than the three-point contest. And you go from guys like, no offense, but Jason Capono winning to guys like Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, uh, like, just all-world shooters. Um, and And I think you nailed it perfectly that, like, the dunk contest is all about your hope and potential and it could so easily be the coolest thing that weekend because there could be guys doing things that you just did not think were possible. Um, but at the same time, it could be guys just not to make it sound casual, but doing like the 360 between the legs, things like that, um, that we've seen a million. I think that's part of the problem. We've seen a lot of dunks so many times that it's kind of hard for these guys to just come up with brand new dunks. We haven't seen, Uh, like I saw a video today of the Gerald green blowing out the birthday candle on the, yeah. Uh, back of the rim that like that's just different that that's that makes it fun to watch but um you definitely always the dunk contest is always going to have the ability to be the best event but it's just a matter of living up to the expectation sometimes yeah and so with the three-point contest I was just looking through so the first 10 years is it around from so from 86 to 95 um there was five winners so larry bird won it three times craig hodges won it three times and price won it twice um now you look, we haven't had a, a back-to-back winner since 07-08 when Jason Capono won it. Um, so it's, there's just, and there's bigs now winning it. So Kevin Love won it in 2012. Um, and all these guys are, there's a lot more talent throughout. Yeah, the and they're legit all-star basketball players that are in the contest. And they're also really good shooters. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where it hit kind of a low point. Um, we just kind of had random guys in there, like Vashawn Leonard winning in 2004. Um, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't in the league very long. Um, but, yeah, now the three-point contest is just is, – it's definitely a lot more exciting. Um, but I take – I find the anticipation of the dunk contest a little better because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and you got – I think everyone in the field right now has a 40-inch vertical, at least. So it's like absolutely... It's pretty much like a stipulation. (laughs) If you can't jump that high, you're not in it. (laughs) You're not tall enough to ride this ride. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So let's transition dunk contest. Who do you got? All right. So this is really tough because I could easily see all four of these people winning. Um, And... I could also see all four of these guys just really not performing the greatest. But I'm going with John Collins because I think he's going to get a heck of a lot of help from Dominique Wilkins over the past couple of weeks since he's pretty much decided he's going to do it. Um, and I know that they've been working together after practices and stuff and trying to bounce some ideas around. Um, and you have one of the best dunkers of all time on your side. I feel like you got a pretty good shot. Not to mention he's also a freak if you watched the Rising Stars game last night. Do you also remember who his teammate is? Kevin Herter? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you mean, teammate? John Collins' teammate? Yeah. Who? Trey Young throwing him lobs? No. Who else? What are you talking about? The best. Who had the best dunk contest? Oh, yeah, Vince Carter. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't been working with him too much, I don't think. 
He's in practice room every day. He's, he's <laughs> I know, but he's trying to dunk on him, not to show him how to dunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, John Collins, I think is the should be the favorite. He has insane balance. I know a lot of times guys who are uh, bigs in dunk contests tend to not get the best scores for what they're doing because it doesn't look as good as a, someone who's like 6'4 doing it. Um, but with that being said, he's, he's consistently getting his head above the rim, um, and he's very, very athletic and coordinated in the air. Uh, so I think something special is coming from him tonight. Um, but my, it's going to be the first dunk too, because if you saw, if you've, uh, there was a video out of him talking to Dominique Wilkins, and he said like you can't just come and start by just trying to make a dunk. You have to come with your best stuff, and then just keep getting better from there. John was kind of confused about that, but <laughs> basically, he's Dominique told him whatever you got in your bag, pull out the best thing you got for the first dunk and try to make a statement, because then you're, everyone's going to just anticipate greatness from there on out. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and guarantee an alley oop from Trey Young. <laughs> one of the ducks. It's almost like John doesn't have a choice. I think Trey's just going to demand that he's involved. <laughs> yeah. It's a dunk that doesn't need an alley-oop, but he's still going to do it. <laughs> but he also is an alley-oop type dunker. Like he, he's not a, at least in games, he's always alley-oop dunker. Yeah, he showcased that last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plenty. Um, but a very dark horse in this. I uh, saw this one coming a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call me Holman, but... Hamadou Diallo has, I, I would say he probably has the highest vertical out of all these guys. Yeah, that's not even close, I don't think. I think he's around 46, which is insane. Numbers, even without the numbers, it's he's, he jumps the highest. Yeah. yeah, but he, so it happens every year. There's a rookie that has crazy balance that comes in and just is overshadowed by the light and can't get a dunk down, and um, I think it happened to Dennis Smith last year, um, not really putting up a, the performance that they're capable of. So I think if he's able to get it, get the dunks down that he's going to do, uh, I think he can run away with it. But uh, with that being said, I can also see him coming in last because he just can't get dunks down. Yeah, I, that's why I had a hard time picking him because I think he by far is the bounciest and easily could do some incredible things but I also don't know his creativity and like I just don't know what he's gonna pull off (laughs) like it's it's gotten to the point where you can't just jump really high and like windmill or something and have (laughs) it be a good score you have to like actually do something incredibly creative so we'll see what happens there um but definitely super bouncy and I guess we can't really dark horse is kind of tough to pick because I think all these guys can be considered dark horses and they all can be considered favorites in their own way um, but you have to watch out for Miles Bridges because I think oh, shout out hometown kid again, by the way. But um, he's been—I feel like he's been planning and prepping for a dunk contest in the NBA for his entire life. Like that's what he just is made to do. Um, kind of like his eye on when he gets to the league. So I—I I feel like he has to have a, a good piece of the puzzle here. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for him because he has such power, but he also he has the leaping ability that these guys do. So. And um, yet again, we've talked about 75% of the field without mentioning the favorite, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is the only veteran that's a <laughs> junior. Um, for me, I just, I don't see it with him. Uh, he doesn't have the, 
reactions that winners typically have. Um, like Donovan Mitchell last year, it was he loves being in the, the light. Um, Glenn Robinson was a weird year. We'll, we'll skip over that one. <laughs> um, He's still a good dunker, though. Oh, very good dunker, like what I'm talking about, like reaction-wise. But like Zach Levine has that like quiet, like Blake Griffin, kind of like, yeah, yeah I just did that, like the cockiness. Of, it's just as much about the show as it is the dunk, because you have to, like, the guys that get the fans on their feet before the dunk and then pull off the nice, at least halfway decent dunk, still gets a really good reaction. You just have to generate some buzz around yourself, and that's why, like, I think John Collins is the biggest showman of these four guys, so I think he has a good chance to do that, and... His reactions and everything are usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and he's the type of guy that gets the dunk down the first try. Right. Um, That's because his whole body's above the hoop, so all he has to do is drop the ball, and he generally yeah. goes in. Yeah, all right. I think this one's gonna be really fun because there. I feel like everyone's on an even playing field. Um, you don't have like Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, and then Will Barton. Right. Right. It's like everyone. Hey, can, can I complain for a second about it? Sure. So why the heck is the Tennessee-Kentucky game on 8 o'clock tonight and it's the same time as the All-Star festivities kick off? Yeah. Like, college basketball has had game day on. The, like, their big games have been at 6 o'clock all season so far. But this is the one weekend <laughs> they choose to make an 8 o'clock game, and it's the worst choice. Yeah, it was weird. And basketball is usually really good about it, like, playing around the Super Bowl, um, playing around, like, big football games. They, they are very good at scheduling around that. Uh, but this is a big-time mess. I don't know. I didn't understand it either. It's different if it's like a, I don't know, like Duke playing NC State or something. If that was the 8 o'clock game, sure. Not a lot of people are probably going to watch that. But come on. Yeah. The top it, five game. And it's not like Kentucky-Tennessee being good this year was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two of the top teams in the conference since the preseason. So I don't know. I think that's a big-time miss. Because I'm going to be watching a dunk contest and stuff on my computer most likely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – you have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching both, but like, it's a matter of which one i got to put on my TV, so see how it starts out. Yeah. I know, that is annoying. But, um, so lock in your final picks for all of them. For the contest? Yeah, for all three. You have Final answers, you got to right. stick with it. Trey, Steph, and John Collins. Okay. I'm going De'Aaron, Buddy Heald, and you suck. Um, <laughs> you can take the same person. No, I'm going Miles. Still got Br- two other differences. I'm going Miles Bridges. All Someone right. from Charlotte's got to win a contest for them. Best part is all the people that you picked are the people I think are com- coming in second. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it'll be perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun Saturday weekend. Now, who do you got for the All Star game tomorrow? Oh, I think LeBron's team is loaded significantly more than Giannis is I think uh yeah I think that I saw the spreads like five and a half or something for LeBron but I think it could be a little bit more than that um again it's a matter of who's gonna play hard and I think LeBron has a nice mix of people that play hard plus shooters and Giannis just has all the lanky big guys um what team's Paul George on by the way real quick do you know I believe it's uh Giannis but I'm double checking yep so Giannis- yeah that's the his starting lineup is Steph Kemba uh, with Paul George, Giannis, and Joel. Um, That's the part that makes me nervous because Paul George is made to play in the All-Star game. Like, he's <laughs> so perfect for that. 
Also, another player who's made to play in the All-Star game, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, um, and they're on the same team, right? Yep. So he's won the MVP twice. But he has to play with Joel now, and I, they're not going to get along, obviously, and I think it's going to affect one or both of them. I think, no, I don't. I think Russ has taken this, this All-Star game off this year. He's already won the MVP twice. Um, and then there's, they got a ton of young guys on their team. So... It's a very foreign player. I can't wait till there's a lineup of Giannis, Joel, Blake, Jokic, and Dirk all on the floor. (laughs) Or Vucevic. They'll have just five centers out there. um, And they'll still be one of the most skilled five in the NBA. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So are you picking LeBron too or are you picking Giannis? I'm going to pick Giannis. I think they have a well-constructed lineup. I think LeBron just picked free agents, so. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's also well-constructed. <laughs> but now pick a, a MVP. Um, so MVP's got to be winning team. I'm going to say Joel Embiid. You ready for this one? Oh, boy. Bradley Beal. Uh, I was pick. just looking at him. At said last that. pick, and he's going to be, he's really going to be shooting, and he's going to be locked in because of that, and I could see him having like a, Paul George type 45 plus all-star game like something something crazy like that okay I I I did want to bring that up I can't believe he was the last pick that's I think it was mostly because Giannis started picking bigs and LeBron had to just make sure he got one big or at least one so he had to go Aldridge and Towns yeah still I think he's he's a top 15 player not but Anyway. His uh his suggestion last night was that they should just do it like a couple minutes before the game and just have reversible jerseys. Everybody in the room pick it up like a pickup game type thing, and there you go. That's a great idea. Yeah, reversible jerseys or shirts and skins. Yeah. And just hold Jokic gets skins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I think it's gonna be a fun game. What's what's the over under on it? Do you know? Oh, probably something close to 400. <laughs> uh, I can check it real quick. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's look and it's, see. It's got to be a lot. <laughs> like a lot. It uh, is. I don't got it. 311. Wow, that was as high <laughs> as I thought. <laughs> Still very high, but not as high as I thought. It's so ridiculous. So over under. Uh, I'm going under. Gonna be different. I think it's gonna be 156, 151. And that, my friends, would be under. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I guess I'll go under as well. Yeah, I think there's. It's a it's an interesting mix of guys this year. I think there's enough people that are gonna try to play defense. It feels like, or at least like, I don't know, lock in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so let's let's go into um, who we think is going to step it up after this All-Star break and then who's going to sort of drop off. Uh, so a team that I think is going to step it up uh, simply because they have to uh, are the Lakers. Uh, right now they're the 10th seed in the West. Uh, I don't see LeBron letting a team that he plays on miss the playoffs. So I think... 
they'll ultimately end up as a seven seed. So I think they'll they'll pick it up quite a bit after this break. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they almost have to pick it up. They do have to pick it up, but um, it's that's a that's the trendy one I think for sure, and that would be one I would definitely pick as well. Um, I'm gonna stick in the Western Conference too. I think I'm gonna go with the Spurs. I think they're always a a very classic pick it up after the All Star break type team. Um, they've quietly hung themselves in a nice little spot. They're only two games back of fourth place right now, um, sitting in seventh. But 33 and 26, they've kind of quietly gone about their business. Not really played great yet, but I think this is the time these last 20 or so games that they really pick it up and make a run up into like the five or four or five range. I think. Yeah, and especially with Demar missing the All Star game um, for the first time in a while. It gives him extra motivation. Lamarcus, I don't think, is going to play very much in the All-Star game, so he'll be fresh. And they definitely have a, a team that can make that little bit of a run, um, or at least stay consistent at, at absolute worst. Um, for a team that I think will fall off, uh, I guess I'm going to stay again in the... Uh, I guess I'll pick the Eastern Conference, and I think the Pacers. Um, right now they're the three seed in the East without Victor Oladipo. They're very well constructed. Uh, I think they have all the potential to stay in that spot or fall to the four seed, but um, I think Wesley Matthews isn't going to fit perfectly. Um, they're going to go through some struggles and, and hit a a little bit of a snag and sort of fall down to a six, six or seven seed. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick in the East with you, and uh, I'm going to go with Charlotte. They're a I've never been crazy about Charlotte, um, and their last ten, they're four and six, so they, they've kind of hit a snot already. If you if you look at their last game before Orlando or last game before the All Star break against Orlando, it oh. looks like half the team was already on All Star break at least. That was ugly. Um, yeah, they got rocked in that one. Um, it's tough to say they're going to fall off because behind them there isn't a whole lot. You got Detroit, Miami, Orlando, and Washington. Um, Washington is 24 and 34, and they're only three games back of the eighth spot right now, which is just disgusting. Um, but yeah, I think Charlotte, I still think they have a good chance to like hit the eight seed and sneak into the playoffs, but I think they're, they're going to have to play a lot better than they are right now in order to, to make the playoffs. Yeah. I think them striking out on the deadline really hurt, uh, because they don't have, they really don't have a number two guy right now. Um, yeah, they do. His name's Kemba. He's the number one guy too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think his really strong start to the season um, has led to this little fall off before the All Star break because he's getting tired, uh, and I think it just continues. He, I mean, he can't carry that team very much uh, for very much longer. So I think without adding anybody on the deadline, really hurt them. And I think they miss the playoffs again. They're just a team that's stuck in what I call the middle 2000 Atlanta Hawks, where you just sort of get keep getting caught in the middle of um, or towards the end of the the playoff race. And it's called know, purgatory. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a good pick. You don't really tank. You don't – your salary cap situation is okay. Like – and you just keep doing it year after year after year after <laughs> there's, year. Yeah, there's no way to get out of it. You just eventually your star gets older, um, and then it you completely bottom out. So 
Um, it'll be interesting this summer if they decide to re-sign him. I know they want to, um, but if Kemba decides to stay. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I think those are some of the teams to look out for. Um, I think everyone else is going to be pretty steady uh, where they are. It's going to be sort of ultimately where they end up. Um, yeah, I don't think – I don't want to say the playoff picture is set, but I think, like, at least 14 or 15 of the teams are pretty set already. Oh, yeah. I think at least 14 are set, um, seven in each conference. And then battling out basically for that last spot. And then the West is more about position than getting in. And the East is the last spot's about getting in. But the even the seeds are pretty sad. I think it's Raptors, Bucks, 1 2, um, Philly and Boston, 3 4, and then Pacers, Nets. Um, who else am I forgetting? No, <laughs> Detroit, Charlotte's seven right now, I think. Charlotte, like those guys are just battling it out. So, um, but yeah, we're gonna take a short break and um, get into the our first Eastern Conference team. Court as opponents, uh, I don't like him. Uh, I don't like anybody else. It's not just about them. It's about everybody. I don't like. Um, I don't know. Like Siakam, we're from the same country. Yeah. We're pretty close. I don't, I don't like him. I hate him. Uh, yeah. I don't like. I respect that. I don't like. I, I respect that. You would have been a great yeah. Detroit Piston. Yeah. <laughs> you would have been a great Detroit Piston. <laughs> I don't like. I walked out all summer where Jason Tatum. I don't like. I, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like him. And he plays for Boston too. So, um, you know, on the court, when we're playing against each other, there's no friendship or what. So with the Eastern Conference, we're going to do Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they are very active over the, the trade deadline, um, acquiring Tobias Harris, uh, Boban Marjanovic, um, and Mike Scott, uh, as well as making some other minor deals. But um, So now, after all the trades, they start. Um, ben Simmons at the point, J.J. Redick, shooting guard, um, Jimmy Butler, small forward, Tobias Harris at the four, and Joel Embiid um, as their big. And they have um, guys like newly acquired Mike Scott coming off the bench, um, Jonathan Simmons, um, Amir Johnson, sort of a backup big for them, Jonah Bolden, um, James, James Ennis, and T.J. McConnell, are sort of what their rotation looks like. Um, they are currently the five seed um, I'll have to double check that but um, yeah you're right five so they're they're playing alright uh, they have tons of talent on the team uh, I don't think they've quite hit their potential um, but what do you think of them I mean I think they have the best in terms of talent starting lineup outside the Warriors um, they're just adding Tobias yeah, I saw Bill Simmons say, why are people celebrating he's not an all-star? But, like, yes, he is. Um, they're they're pretty much – Tobias is good. In the East, Tobias is an all-star. Uh, they have Embiid, who's 
one of the best players in the NBA already. Um, ben Simmons, who's every year gets a lot better and is already a, a nightmare for teams to figure out how to cover, even without a shot, which is, says a lot about him. Um, really, the only thing that scares me about them is they still don't know how to beat the Celtics, and I think that's going to become a bit of a problem in the playoffs. Um, Celtics are they're two teams kind of trending in opposite directions, and the Celtics still beat them a couple days ago. Um, but I, I do like the trade. We talked about it, obviously, at nauseum almost. But um, you said before, too, that Mike Scott was a was a nice piece in that trade that not a lot of people will talk about, and I think he's going to add a ton to the bench, just another scoring option. Um, but do you know, is, is Zaire Smith going to play at any point this year? Or probably not. Um, so it looks like he's on, on pace to play as well as Justin Patton. Um, both guys right now are with the Delaware Blue Coats. Um, Heck of a name there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Justin Patton is putting up some big time numbers, um, really filling out the, the stat sheet, um, having like four or five block games. Uh, but Zaheer Smith is really working hard, um, training with them. A lot of videos have released. He's changed his jump shot. Uh, looks very mechanical now, uh, which kind of worries me a little bit once you get into game action. Um, he's very stiff when he shoots, it looks like. Um, and a lot of his uh, practice shots uh, are going left or right to the rim, which um, tells you something's going on with their form. Uh, if you look at good shooters like Steph, um, KD, Clay, um, those type of guys, their shots are going to either miss short or long uh, because they have their form down so well. Um, they're just work, working on legs. Um, they may be tired, so they're missing short or long. Um, with someone that misses to the left or to the right, a lot of times something's up with their form, um, whether that's their thumb pushing in to make it go right for a right-handed shooter. Um, they're leaning more on one leg. Uh, so Zaheer Smith looks like something's going on with this shot. Uh, it looks a lot better than it did at Texas Tech, uh, but still has a long way to go on that. Uh, but I think he'll eventually play. Uh, but once the playoffs come, I don't think he's going to play any, any minutes unless foul trouble or injuries happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to resemble anything of a shooter. Um, I think he can... He can knock down the occasional open jumper, uh, like really open jumper, and he's, but he's not going to space the floor. I think he's going to be the type of player that comes in just to play defense, rebound, loose balls, just cause problems, and be a pest, basically. And I think that's more or less a perfect piece for the Sixers because um, I think they their, ben, their bench has a lot of people like that, James Ennis, DJ McConnell, guys like that. Um, but I think Zaire can bring a lot just with his athleticism defensive ability um, but the Sixers as a whole the, my biggest fear with the Sixers is just consistent uh, consistent shooting and the the biggest fear is the if the starting lineup will mesh because I think I think Jimmy's a little a little up in the air with how he wants to feel right now I think he is kind of unhappy with his role and then obviously when his role was increased Joel was a little unhappy with his role um, so I think there's some Still some ego sorting out to do, but on paper, this team is loaded with talent. Yeah, that's what's tricky about the team is 
Um, they have all the talent to win a championship, but the Eagles, the, the chemistry, I think, is a serious problem right now. Um, and the problem is Jimmy Butler has a player option. Tobias Harris is an unrestricted free agent. Um, J.J. Reddick's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and Ben Simmons is up for his rookie extension next summer. So um, pl- personnel could very much change in an instant. So if they don't go far this year, I think that really impacts their future. Um, and with the Raptors, the Bucks, the Celtics being the teams that they are, uh, I think that's worrisome for them. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a really good team. Um, just finding out the roles. I think who's going to close the games because Jimmy Butler's always used to doing that. Um, but if Joel's hot, uh, I think the offense should run through him. And then how is Ben Simmons going to be effective in the – in the final clutch minutes if he's not doesn't have the ball in his hands. Uh, so I think there's a lot to work through. And I think so much has changed for Brett Brown from when he started to where he is now um, that he's kind of struggling to, to find an offense that fits for these guys. Um, so I'm worried that if they have a second-round exit, this team really blows up. I mean, I can see them resigning Tobias, but letting Jimmy go, um, and still have the three three main guys of Ben, Tobias, and Joel. But um, they can be in trouble here. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna try to bring back both Jimmy and Tobias, but I think at least I'm leaning towards the Jimmy not, not wanting to resign with them, just because I think he's gonna want to go somewhere and kind of be the man. Um, I think he. He kind of enjoys that aspect of the game, but they, I think you nailed it. This team uh, can literally, you, you might not recognize the team next year just with the amount of people that are up. Um, just to add the people that you said, but Mike Scott, Justin Patton, Mir Johnson, Cork Moss, James Ennis, and TJ McConnell all might not be on the team next year just with contract wise. Um, there's, there can be an entirely different team next year and a lot. I think is going to depend on their push, but they're in a weird spot because I don't want to say that they're ahead of schedule because signing so much talent, they obviously should be on this pace and maybe even a little bit better. But I think that Ben Simmons and Joel took off a little bit quicker than a lot of people expected. And I mean, I know Joel sat out for basically three years, but um, he's as soon as he stepped on the floor, he had a huge impact. So I think it kind of forced their hand and rushed them into like a, let's contend now mode and that's forced them to make deals for people like Tobias and Jimmy Butler. Um, so I feel like they're kind of rushing it, but when you have this much talent, you can't really pass up that type of opportunity either. Yeah. Well, and I think they were really poor at making decisions on their front office throughout this. So they obviously, the process started with Sam Hinkie. Um, and once it looked like it was about to take turn a corner, uh, they let him go, brought in Colangelo. Uh, he had that whole burner account situation where they took him the entire summer to make a decision on. Um, and then ultimately fired him, I think it was a week or two before the draft. And now you're making a group decision on, on who you're going to draft. 
and then ultimately picking Mikel Bridges and trading for Zaheer Smith and a future pick um, when Mikel Bridges is exactly what that team needed, or at least this team needs now. Right. Um, and then you bring in Elton Brand, who, who has made some good moves, um, not giving up a ton. Uh, I thought it was a little too much to bring in Tobias Harris. Um, bring four draft picks is a lot for a guy that might not be there next summer. Yeah. Could potentially be a rental. I know they have full intentions to re-sign him, um, but to give up that Miami pick, uh, I thought was a little bit a little bit strange to also include three other picks. So, I think the inconsistencies in the front office really hurts them, because you see it a lot in the Premier League where managers get let go all after a couple of years, after they bring in the guys they want, and then a new manager wants to bring in different guys. So it's like a cycle of mashed together teams that don't always fit um, and I, I know I've said this before but I thought Tobias Harris makes a lot more sense on this team if Covington and Sarge are still on the team and not Jimmy Butler but again they're, they're where they are now so uh, I think they have the capability but uh, if they have to match up with um, Milwaukee, Toronto um, or even Boston like you said they have a tough matchup with them um, in the second round, it's going to be tough for them to pass that. Yeah, I think we're still in, last thing I'll say about this, we're still in wait-and-see approach, kind of, just because Tobias has only been there for, what, three games or something? So we haven't really seen the full this team fully come together yet. Um, and coming down the stretch, we'll be able to make a lot more of a judgment about it. But they have all the talent that they need, and it's just a matter of, getting that talent to mesh together and, and put the best product on the court. Yeah. So um, I'm certainly rooting for them as I root for um, a lot of different teams. But uh, I think ultimately uh, they lose to Toronto in the second round. Yeah. I, I could see it. I could also see them going, going to the finals easily. But, um, yeah, it's going to – a lot's going to come down to seeding with these top five seeds in the East because, um, like, if, if Boston and, and Philly ends up as the 4-5 matchup, there could just be – that's a that's crazy talent and two really, really, really good teams that could knock each other out in the first round. Yeah. I think best-case scenario for Philly is they get the four seed, Indiana slips to five. They play – Indiana have a short series first round. Um, and Milwaukee gets a one seed. I think they're experienced. They can beat Milwaukee in the second round. Um, I think they match up really well with them. And if they're starting to gel around then, then um, I can see them beating the Bucks, going to the finals and playing the Raptors. And then um, I think that's a seven-game series for sure. Um, just yeah. It's, whatever series they play in, it's not going to be an easy out for either team. Right. Exactly. The second round of the East is going to be unreal. It's going to be the best second round we've seen in a long time, um, especially in that conference. So uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, So now we'll we'll do prospects um, and draft and uh, free agents. So Philly, they're going to ultimately keep their own pick. They're in with Boston where... 
they'll get the worst pick of their own or Sacramento's pick. So whoever, whoever has a lower pick, the Sixers will get. And the pace that these teams are on right now, Philly's going to keep their own pick, which will be a sort of late first round. If you like jigsaw puzzles, I highly suggest trying to figure out Philly's draft picks for the next year because I had a hell of a time trying to do it. <laughs> but um, with that being said, I think their first-round pick, uh, a guy I looked at was Kobe White from um, UNC, the point guard. I think you had mentioned before, but it, we'll see what happens with TJ McConnell there. Um, we kind of tried to upgrade at that position during trade stuff. But, um, yeah, I think Kobe White could bring some scoring and just – they need guards, I think. I, they've spent a lot of time on, on getting big and, and uh, really stockpiling their wings. and Well, not really wings, but their forwards and centers, and I think they could really focus on the guard position a little bit more. Um, so Kobe White just brings a ton of scoring ability, a little bit of playmaking, but they don't really need a playmaker when Ben Simmons is there. And um, I think Kobe could come off the bench and help them with shooting specifically, but also just – be able to make plays whenever he's asked. Yeah, no, and he, I think he fits in well. Um, someone who's able to grab it and go. Um, ben Simmons loves to grab it and go and really push. And I think with Joel trailing uh, and you got Tobias and Jimmy on the wings, that, that having someone that can really push and get the ball to someone else um, in a fast break situation uh, makes a lot of sense for them. Um, so I, I love the Kobe White pick. I think that's perfect range for him, um, sort of in that early to mid-20s. And it's tricky with um, for Philly around that range. There's not much um, guard play there. And I think what they need is someone who can um, make plays for others but, but also um, be able to shoot the ball. Um, so, I mean, reaching for someone like Ty Jerome uh, who's got size, who can play the, the shooting guard spot, but really shoot the ball well um, and be able to play make. And he can sort of hide on defense um, because of the amount of length and size that the Philly has. So someone like him um, is a little bit of a reach, but uh, I can see him fitting in well there. Yeah, I kind of followed the same path because I think they have quite a few second-round picks also. Again, it's a puzzle. I might not figure it out correctly, but um, – I think, like, anywhere in the second round, just to get shooting guard, guard, small forward, wing-type players, um, see if, who knows if they lose Jimmy, and they could just use depth there anyways. But um, specifically, I think Tyus Battle would be a really nice fit because he can, again, like Kobe White, he can play off the ball and just knock down open jumpers. Or, and he's long and athletic, can, can defend. Uh, even though he plays in that zone, he is a good one-on-one defender, I promise. Um, and then another guy like Kai Bowman, I think, would be a nice uh, a backup point guard to Ben Simmons, kind of, because he's not much of a scorer himself. Uh, he can score it. He's had many 30-point games in college, but he's not the type of guy that's just going to go attack you and score. He's really looking to get other people involved, and then if he has to, he can, he can score it himself. Um, but he's definitely a pass-first player, and I think he would fit well on the bench with them. And then finally, Cameron Johnson, kind of to go along with Ty's battle. Um, same same idea, same type player. Just really give them more shooting options, space the floor more for guys like Ben Simmons and Joel, uh, because I think they really lack that right now. Yeah, yeah, floor spacing is huge for them. 
Uh, I know Brett Brown loves defensive guys. Uh, so guys in, like, second round, Lou, Lou Dort, um, for me, I thought made sense there. Um, but taking chances on guys um, like Kerwin Roach, uh, who's very athletic, very good defender, um, and his shot has improved over his four years at Texas um, with Gerald Vick. Um, Who just won, by the way. I know. I know. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Josh Reeves from Penn State, these kind of six four, six five shooting guards that can replace J.J. Redick a little bit, um, or at least those minutes. Um, I think they need to keep taking chances on those kind of guys. So, yeah, I agree with all those guys. Free agents? Um, I kind of chickened out of this one a little bit, but I think – I know J.J.'s getting up there, but I really think J.J. is a very important aspect of this team because, again, they don't have a lot of shooting, and he's one of the best shooters there is. Um, and I think they're significantly better with J.J. on the roster. Uh, I would re-sign Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick. I think I would offer Jimmy Butler. Um, but the short term. Yeah, yeah. Not I'm not giving him a max for four or five years, that's for sure. Because um, I think this is still a very much a feel-it-out process for both the, for this entire roster and, and specifically Tobias and Jimmy Butler. Um, and then, so say, say Jimmy Butler walks, um, a guy I would like to see them kind of go after and maybe give – Try to talk him into like a two-year big deal, but Chris Middleton I think would really fit well with this roster because he's long, he can defend, and he's just a knockdown shooter. Um, and I think he's—I don't want to say that he's used to not like not really being the guy, but he's—he's he's used to the role of just being able to kind of float around and do what's needed of him when he's asked, and he's not—he's like it's bias. He's not going to demand the ball and cause problems and complain and stuff like that he's just going to go about his business and be the good player that he is and I think he could really fit there um, but I know cap is going to be a problem with that yeah no that, that would be an ideal fit um, bring, basically bring everything Jimmy Butler brings but without that baggage so um, if they could swing that and also re-sign Tobias the, that's a insane insane team right there perfectly constructed um, I was thinking more of guys like Garrett Temple, um, Seth Curry, uh, those type of shooting guards that give them a bit of size, but also um, shooting ability. Uh, Terrence Ross, same thing. Uh, play, play what J.J. was able to play, but either bring in more shooting or, or more defense. I think that's a really important position for them moving forward. Right. Uh, so now that the trade deadline's over, um, we're not going to do the, the fake NBA trades. What we're going to do now is um, Zach calls it coaching quarter, corner, which I, I, I'd like. Um, is we're going to sort of look at one player, um, break down what they bring for the team um, and why they're effective um, in that role. It's not going to be like a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. It's going to be one of the role guys. And, and today we're doing um, Jonah Bolden. Um, so, Aussie, so, Aussie, Aussie. Yep, Australian. Um, I mean, connects well with Ben Simmons, both being Australian, but um, was the second round pick back in 2017. Uh, this season's his first year with the team, and he's been massive for 
for Philly now. Um, not playing a ton, uh, but playing some big-time minutes in, in certain situations with foul trouble or, or matchups. So he's 6'10", 220, extremely athletic, athletic. Um, very long, and has in, improved his shot so much since um, before he was drafted. So he's become a, a knockdown stretch five right now. Uh, brings a ton of energy, just outworks people on the boards. Um, I tell my team this all the time that rebounding is not a skill, it's just effort. Um, and he puts in more effort than anyone on the floor, grabbing good big-time rebounds, boxing out uh, so someone else can grab the boards. So he's been extremely effective in that role of coming off the bench, bringing energy, knocking down open shots, but also moving the ball. Um, and playing really tough defense. So he's been a, a bright spot for them, and I think it's going to be really important in a playoff series, um, especially when you get into the second and third round. He's going to be key for them to bring that, bring that energy. Yeah, he's, he's done a pretty good job of protecting the rim. He's got almost a block a game, um, which is better than I kind of expected him to do, but he, he's, he fits well with this team because he can get out and run because, as you said, Ben Simmons loves to run. Um, Jimmy likes to get out and go sometimes, but they're they're better when they're going fast. I think they're not. They can obviously slow it down and work out of the post with Joel and and make plays that way in, in the half court. But I think they're at their best when they're just all attacking downhill. Um, and and Bolden fits perfectly into that and can clean up the mess afterwards. Um, and he's just willing to just battle all night long, which I think is huge for for Philly. The someone that's always going to bring energy and effort. Um, and, and kind of attitude with him along along that same line as well. Yeah, and I think he needs more minutes right now. He's played in 28 games, averaging 12 and a half minutes. Uh, I think he needs that to bump up. Um, you won't find a bigger fan than Boban than me. Um, but I think he, he needs to be their backup center. Amir Johnson does not need, need to be on the team. Um, he just does everything that the Sixers need when Joel's not on the floor. Uh, and I think it, he's so underrated. Um, I don't think Brett Brown trusts him enough right now. Uh, I think that'll eventually build, especially at, after this all-star break. Um, so look look out for him to really break out the second half of the season um, and really cement himself as a as the backup big for them. But that wraps up the Sixers. We'll take a, another short break, uh, get into our Western Conference team, which is going to be the Houston Rockets. Houston, we have a problem. They got a police presence? Uh, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, wait, <laughs> come on, man. Numerous social media reports that, that LAPD was called. LAPD was called. <laughs> See these two, man. Come on, man. They don't want to laugh at them. Come on, man. Because they, they, they oh, would. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, the issue is they would. Stop it, man. They would relish. Come on. For a guy to come in the locker room after them. Hey, Chuck. No. Hey, Chuck. I don't Hello, know what this is. I don't know why. Hello, police. Chris Paul trying to beat me up. <laughs> this is, hey, this is Blake Griffin. Chris Paul trying to get in the locker room. Get down here and save me. So for our second and final team um, today, we're going to cover the Houston Rockets, um, which sort of find themselves in, a, in an interesting 
situation right now. Um, battling a ton of injuries like everyone else. Um, trying to get back up into the into the playoff ranks after that really slow start to the season. Um, right now, the five seed um, playing playing some good good basketball. Um, they're six and four in their last ten, um, and only let's see a game out of fourth uh, from the Trailblazers. So their lineup has been all over the place, um, but when they're healthy. Chris Paul, James Harden, um, I guess with all the teams <laughs> now, um, they might go Shumpert or Gerald Green, the small forward, P.J. Tucker as the floor, and then Clint Capella at the, at the big with Eric Gordon coming off the bench. Um, Kenneth Reed playing a lot of minutes for them, Austin Rivers, um, and then other guys are just using used sparingly, so very small bench for them. What what has been your impression of the first half of the season with the Rockets? Um, kind of to be expected, honestly, because I thought, I mean, Ariza, Ariza had a terrible game. I it was what his last game with the Rockets, I think, right? He was like zero for ten from three or something like that in that game seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. He left just in a terrible way, but I think he he was a lot. Uh, I think he did a lot more for for the Rockets than he gets credit for, and um, trying to they've been trying to replace that all year. I feel like I mean they also lost Luke and Bob Mute, but like you mentioned before, he's more or less out of the rotation by the playoffs. Um, but so now they're searching for guys like Shumpert, trying to get more out of Gerald Green, even Daniel House Jr. Um, from Texas A and M is there, played a little bit, uh, especially when they were really hit with the injury bug, but. They've just been constantly searching for that wing to go along with Harden and Chris Paul. And it's an interesting it's an interesting spot because a lot of the wings in the league, um, for the most part, are kind of used to attacking and having the ball in their hands a little bit more. Um, but when they go to the Rockets, you're pretty much just going to stand in the opposite corner of P.J. Tucker and wait to get a kick out. Uh, so it's a, it's a weird spot, and I think Ariza fit it perfectly. And then he also brought a ton of defense and was able to guard guys like Steph Curry, like Clay Thompson. Um, that really helped out and let James Harden kind of just float and, and do what he wants to do. Um, but obviously the tear that James Harden's been on scoring wise is incredible. Um, like we said earlier in the conversation with some of the greats of all time, but they, at least currently, I think they're outplaying my expectations since they've gotten, got on this crazy run. I felt like they're more in the five, six, seven range, kind of, and they're playing themselves into a first round uh, home series almost. Um, Austin Rivers is another guy. I think that's, I don't know. I really didn't think he was going to fit with this roster at all, um, personality wise, off the court wise, and then even just on the court wise. Um, but I think he's played really well so far for them. I think he's been, I don't want to say a savior, but he's he's brought big minutes and and been able to score it and and really played better than I expected at all. Yeah, it's their roster right now is, it almost feels like we're going to throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. Because um, <laughs> it's, I mean, the, the roster has changed so much throughout the entire season. Uh, and it was a weir- really weird situation with Daniel House. Um, so he was a two-way guy, a, a two-way contract. 
um, which means he only gets a certain amount of days, uh, and we'll go over this at another time, but I believe it's around 40, 41 days um, in the NBA. Um, and once you hit that mark, you either sign a rest of the season contract or an extension, some sort of agreement, um, or you go into free agency um, at the end of the season. I think it's restricted free agency. Um, so he hit that mark. Um, Rockets all sort of lowballed him, and their his agent decided that wasn't good enough, so we're just going to stay in the G League, um, play out the rest of the season in G League, um, and then test out free agency in the summer. So weird situation there. I thought he was really helpful for them. Um, very good player. Uh, I think he should be um, on an NBA team and, and getting rotation minutes for sure. So it was weird that they left him down there, didn't try to renegotiate that. But, um, yeah, like you were saying, I think we've talked about this plenty of times, but last year was their best shot. Um, and I think because Trevor Reza brought so much consistency and really was able to balance out those personalities uh, was is a really under, underestimated aspect of what he brought to the team. And losing that... Now, um, Harden sort of goes off on his own. He's going to go look for a shot every time. Um, Chris Paul has been in and out of the lineup. Eric Gordon hasn't been playing much because or playing as well as he did last year because guys are keen on him. Um, it's just been tough for them. Uh, they're starting to figure it out, but um, like I've said before, they're, they're a second-round exit team in my mind uh, just because... Even when Capella comes back, um, they just don't have enough in the Western Conference to get past past that and get into the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, it's going to come down to how much of a hero James Harden and Chris Paul can be. Um, but I think the the cupboard's pretty bare, and they're even it's it's I don't want to say it's like the Pelicans, but it's Anthony Davis feels a similar way where he's kind of back against the wall has feels like he has to do it all himself even though we we don't entirely believe that's the case but um that's the way James Harden plays as well uh and I don't know for me it's it's a matter of officiating with James Harden that bothers me but not how he's not like getting away with travels and and gets a lot of foul calls or anything but it's the fact that he uh, I think he fouls more than anyone on defense besides maybe Draymond Green, and they're like 99.9% of the time it's uncalled. Um, so for that to be the case and then also get a ton of calls, it just drives me nuts. Like I wish they would officiate James Harden on defense and offense the same way, and I wouldn't have a problem with either of it. Um, but the fact that it's complete opposite on both ends drives me nuts. Um, and then just his, as we talked about before, but his attitude about like, going to win the MVP and, and how special he feels that he is pretty much. Yeah. Well, to talk a little bit about the officiating part, stuff with him because offensively what he does um, is his shot is so difficult to, to contest because one, he's left-handed. So guys are used to contesting right-handed shots. So that's a change in itself. Um, but he has such a quick release and he's able to, to, get that separation that when he starts to release the ball, you feel like you can block the shot. 
you go after it, <clears throat> and then you land right where he's going to land. So he stays in the air a little bit longer than, than you do as a defender, um, lands on your feet, and now that's an f- automatic foul. So he gets a lot of those. Um, and then when he's getting to the hoop, um, he's very strong. Like I think that's very underrated about him is he can't be moved off his spot when he's driving. So he's able to put his shoulder into the chest of the defender, really stretch out his arms, and his arms are super long. So you can't reach to the ball. So you catch part of his wrist, he goes up automatically, not trying to make the shot or anything. It's more of, I'm going to get two free throws now. So he's very difficult in that that sense. But yeah, defensively, um, that strength that he has allows him to take a take a shoulder to the chest and not move and, and stay there. And he does reach in quite a bit, but he's got quick hands, so it's harder, harder to officiate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the style of play that they're playing right now, um, the mentality that they have for individual accolades um, is never, never going to work out in the end to win a championship. So, I mean, they can, they can play this way all they want. Um, it's just if they don't make a, a serious change, second round's going to be um, their absolute ceiling. While we're on the topic, I just saw a tweet um, from a couple hours ago of Daryl Morey saying he's in on offering Ray Allen a 10-day if he'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Not shocking. I knew, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the Lakers, but what the hell. But, yeah, I mean – and he's always going to be in insane shape, so it's going to look like he could play. He'll always have I mean, his jump shot, but he only scored twenty-seven points on twenty-one shots in a celebrity all-star game. So let's <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit with these GMs here, will we? Yeah, yeah. No, it's and there's four pointers, so it's not like <laughs> yeah. And he hit like six of them, I think. <laughs> he's even less efficient than that. Um, yeah, that's that can't happen. But anyway, <laughs> um, since Houston doesn't have any picks, um, we can talk about undrafted free agents, but we'll just jump into free agents. Uh, so you didn't really hit on it yet, but I'm sure you'll get to it that they're pretty cap <laughs> cap uh, tied coming up in the, in the near future. Um, so they are not going to be able to really go out and make a big splash because – Chris Paul's getting John Wall money here pretty soon, um, but I think they, I think they should look at bringing back Joe Green. I think he just brings a lot of attitude and a lot of uh, energy off the bench. I think he's a good fit there. Um, but then other guys, I was looking at Darius Miller and Mike Scott. I think both can stretch the floor. Darius Miller is a really good defender. I think he would fit the James Ennis that like he's that type of player, um, but a little bit better offensively. Um, Really, they're just going to have to hit on some smaller, lower-end free agents for like a one-year deal and hope they can get lucky one time. Yeah, yeah. I think a home run for them would be um, Boyan Bogdanovich um, on the Pacers. He's quietly having one of his best seasons of his career. Um, very efficient offensively, shooting the ball. Um, can, get, can put the ball on the floor. Very underrated part of his game. Um, and fits into a team defense uh, like the Rockets play. Um, they don't really have a lockdown guy, so everyone just plays 
um, team defense where they're shutting down gap drives and just relying on ro- defense rotations. So um, Bogdanovich, I think, makes a lot of sense. But, again, with the cap space the way it is for them, um, they're at $120 million next year already. Um, and, and that's with six guaranteed players. So, um, Is that over their projected cap? Or? Yeah, well over it. I think next year is 109. Uh, yeah, 109. Um, so they're well over it already. So they they will only be able to pay a tax level exception. So we'll get into that stuff again in a bit. But um, so it's definitely going to be veterans that they're looking at free agency wise. So yeah, I mean Darius Miller makes sense. Um, Guys like Jonas Urepko, uh, guys that are in their early 30s, um, unrestricted free agents that want to play on a, on a playoff-type team. So I think they're kind of strapped in here right, right now. They're going to have to make some moves in the offseason uh, to maybe offload some money. Um, maybe look to ship Eric Gordon out. He's making $14 million next year. Um, Maybe even a wave Nene, something like that. So they're in an interesting spot because Chris Paul making 38, uh, 38 and a half million, and James Harden making 37.8 really straps them in for a lot of average level talent for the rest of the roster. And no draft picks. Yeah, and, and right, you don't get cheap picks or cheap players through the draft. Um, so expect a lot of undrafted free agents to be signing there. Maybe Vince Edwards bringing him up um, next season. Resigning Kenneth Fareed. Um, resigning Gerald Green. Gary Clark. I mean, just these minor moves that they can make. The window is slamming shut, is another way to say it. <laughs> yeah. To put it bluntly, the, um, <laughs> I think James Harden's championship window is shut as far as far as goes last year so if he didn't win it last year um i don't think he wins the championship unless he jumps on to a different team after this contract i'm with you um so going into the coaching corner with with the rockets um i decided to look at pj tucker um so i think pj tucker is their most important player on this team. Um, James Harden's obviously the best. Chris Ball brings in his abilities there. Um, but I think P.J. Tucker, what he does for the team is much more impactful, um, really dictates what they do well. Um, and if they're going to play well, you'll, you'll look at P.J. Tucker and see how he did. So he's very undersized for the position he plays. He's six six. Um, and plays the, the power forward spot. But because he's 245 pounds and just made simply out of muscle, he's able to play that position really effectively. And his wingspan is over seven feet, so he can he has the length to deal with it. Uh, so what he does for this team is he stretches the floor offensively, um, hits down the easiest three-point shot in the game at a really high rate, um, which is the corner shot, corner um, three-pointer, because it's the shortest distance for a three-pointer. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's shooting 36% on catch and shoots, uh, which the majority of them are coming from the corner. So he's very effective in that role. Doesn't overplay, doesn't try to catch the ball, make a couple moves, get into the post, and, and try to do too much. Then defensively, he can put guard their best player, but he typically guards their, their biggest, their best big big player. So if it's a four or five, um, he's capable of guarding them in spots, um, and is an incredible rotation player. So if he's guarding someone in the corner, and they're the opposite corner, so he's in help side, they drive to the hoop, he's there to meet them above the rim, going to block a shot, contest a shot, um, and make it very difficult for someone to score in the paint, despite him being 6-6. So his ability to do that defensively is really helpful, um, especially with Capella out. And then when the two of them are in, um, makes it really difficult to score on them in the paint. Be honest, you just want to do that because he's from Texas. <laughs> He is. He did attend the University of Texas, um, but <laughs> I think he's just so important to this team. The way he plays defense, um, the way he he sort of takes the Trevor Reza role of trying to keep the team consistent, um, keep that same mentality. Don't get um, overly dramatic when calls don't go your way, um, even though that's difficult with Harden and Chris Paul, but. Um, really gives them a steadying arm to lead them. Uh, and I think he ultimately is their leader of the team. So, yeah. I look at, I look at him uh, kind of like how, how Draymond with the, with the Warriors, just being undersized but really can hold your own in that position and switch one through five on the other team um, and, and just be, always be in the right spot to help out and make the right defensive play. Uh, and that's desperately what the what the Rockets need. Yeah, if they could clone him, um, we'd be talking about a totally different team. It's yeah, two of him running around, especially with when Capello's there, and pretty much the whole team can switch one through five. Their defense takes a whole another leap. Yeah, yeah, and if and it's funny because during this thirty point streak for James Harden, um, PG Tucker is the only one. Um, I mean, maybe Gerald Green, but he's the only one that's receiving more passes from James Harden. Everyone else is sort of taking a hit. Um, and that's because offensively, he doesn't try to do too much. And James knows if he's passing it to him, he's probably getting an assist. Uh, so, And he's probably standing in the corner. Yeah. He knows where he's going to be, uh, and he knows what he can do. So I think that's the biggest reason, because Eric Gordon sometimes tries to do too much. Um Chris Ball dribbles the air out of the ball, so he can't get an assist from that. Uh, and without Capella there, he doesn't have a lob guy. So like guys like Isaiah Hart, Hartenstein, um, Nene, just sort of out there defensively um, and for rebounding. So P.J. Tucker is, I think, who he trusts the most on that team. And he's from Texas. Did we say that yet? He is, yep. Yeah. All right, just wanted to get that out there. And if you have time, look at his story. He was drafted in the second round um, by the Raptors in 2006. Um, and this year is his seventh season or eighth. Um, so he spent a lot of time overseas working on his game um, and came back and got a shot. And he's really turned out to be a great player. 
But Who else was on that Texas team? Do you know anyone off the top of your head? So that was Daniel Gibson. Oh, wow. Um, A.K.A. Booby Gibson. Played with the 2007 Cavs in the finals. Um, they had A.J. Abrams, I think was a freshman. LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, That's enough. <laughs> I think Damian James was a, was a freshman on that team. Yeah, I mean, they had a they had a really good team, and that was a couple of years. Oh, I guess a year before Durant, so. Uh, they yeah, they had in, a nice little stretch for a few years there. Yeah, they brought in DJ Augustine and Durant the next season, so. Not yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, that wraps up the Rockets. We'll uh, take a short break here, um, get into some, I guess, some really future picks. <laughs> Um, no, let's just do – we'll just have the All-Star game be your pick for this time. Okay. You have Giannis plus five and a half, and I have LeBron minus five and a half. Got it. That works. Well, still take a break here um, and get into a little bit more about the salary gap. Ah, that's pretty interesting. All right, so for the salary cap topic this week, um, since it's happened quite a bit um, about players getting bought out, uh, and signing with other teams. Most recently, Jeremy Lin um, getting bought out by Atlanta and signing with Toronto. Um, we'll sort of talk about how that works. So basically, when a player gets bought out, um, they they can come up with an agreement of how much of the rest of the contract they can get paid. So typically it happens with someone who's in their last year of their deal. Um, and for example... Um, Jeremy Lin, I think, was making thirteen million. Um, so, however much of that wasn't paid during the season, they can talk about we'll pay the rest. Um, we'll come up with a certain number if it's too much. Um, and we'll we'll give you that money, and then you're free to sign with anybody you want. So once they pay that, Jeremy Lin's able to, his agent's able to talk to different teams and figure out the best situation for him. Um, now when a player gets waived, that's a little bit different. So when a player gets waived, um, it's the same thing, except there's no negotiation. Whatever salary is owed to them, whatever guaranteed salary is owed to them, the team has to pay. Um, when they clear waivers. They, so what that means, there's 48 hours that a player gets put on waivers. A team can claim that contract. So if someone has a year and a half left and they're waived, they can claim that contract and, and pay that contract. But if they go through that, the team that waived them has to pay it. That kind of explained that a little weird, but did that make sense? Yeah, you're... If you claim on waivers, you're taking the contract, and that's your now that's your player. Right. If they don't get claimed, that opposing that team that waived them has to pay it, and now that player is free to sign with anybody. So an example of this is Carmelo signed the veteran minimum. Um, so Carmelo is actually a perfect example for both of them. So when he got traded to the Hawks, the Hawks bought him out. They came up with an agreement. The Hawks were going to pay this portion. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, 
and now he was a free agent. The Hawks or the Rockets came in and gave him the veteran minimum contract. Um, so the veteran minimum contract is a certain number each year um, that you can sign, even if you're over the salary cap and over the luxury tax. You can still sign with someone to the minimum. So they signed him, um, didn't work out, so they waived him. He was on waivers for 48 hours. Nobody claimed him. So the Rockets pay that rest of the contract. Now Carmelo is another free agent. He's a free agent again. And it can sign a rest of the season contract. So depending on how many games are left, what kind of rate they want to give him, that's what he'll sign to. So uh, does that all make sense? Yeah, I guess my only question is, what's the team's advantage to buy out a player? So, like, when the when the Hawks, well, the Hawks and Melo's a bad example. The Hawks and Jeremy Lin, what's the advantage for the Hawks? So, that is almost to just be in good, do business in good faith, basically. Um, Jeremy Lin is 30 years old, wants to be on a, t- a playoff team, uh, is in a contract year next year, or, I mean, this summer, yeah. the summer, so let's get him off this team now. Let him um, sign with a, a playoff team. Now we're in good faith, good in a good relationship with his agent, who all, who might represent someone that they're going after in the summer. Okay. So it's more about good business, you know, buying something out. Um, sometimes it's about a toxic environment. Um, like maybe with the Wizards, with Marquise Morris, um, they're completely rebuilding. It's not a great situation for him. Um, let's get him out of here kind of thing. What would happen if they didn't agree on a buyout like price? Then the player can sit there on the team. Um, they don't have to show up. The Jared Smith style. So like Joe Kim Noah, that worked, that kind of <laughs> happened with. They and they just will collect the check and get the same price. Yeah, so the only, like, that situation was weird because he was in a long-term contract. Um, so that makes buying him out a lot lot more difficult because he signed a four-year, $72 million deal. Um, buying that contract out is, is a lot of money. Um, so teams typically wait till the last year of a of a of a player's contract to get out of it. There used to be this thing called the amnesty clause. Um, and it, w- it allowed you to use it one time, one time only. Um, and you can get basically get rid of a contract completely um, without having any penalty to, you, to your salary cap, having any dead money, which is considered when you buy somebody out. So... The Hawks have five players of, with dead money on their salary cap this year. So Mello, I guess they came out to a buyout of $25.5 million. Jeremy Lin's full contract is on the books for that. Jamal Crawford, um, Daniel Hamilton, and Jabari Bird. So that'll be on their, on their salary this year. And next year it's off. Um, gotcha. And if they wave and stretch somebody so getting a little into the weeds here but um so that's waving someone that has more than has multiple years left on their contract um and when you do that 
and you stretch them, I think the formula is you double it plus one. Um, that's how many years you'll pay them. So if you waive someone that has two years left, you'll have to pay them for five years. So double it, two times two is two, plus one is five. Um, and it's a portion of their... Uh, Wait, let me get my calculator. <laughs> um, so not to get too far into that, but um, that sort of happens and they, they divide the remaining guaranteed money of that contract over those five years. Gotcha. So there's a lot of a lot of teams that have guys like that um, on their roster that they've, I think the Thunder do, with, yeah. So Kyle Sigler. Um, <laughs> Bet you love that. <laughs> so he it looked like that exact scenario. They waived him this summer. Um, That's too bad. And he had two years left. So he has. He's now getting paid for the next five seasons from the Thunder. And he's getting paid $999,200 for each season. Let's just round up to a million. What the hell? He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. So basically getting paid a million dollars each year for the next five years. Um, what a life. And I think I told you, was it the Pacers that are still paying Monte Ellis? Yeah, I think you said that. Yeah, so Monte Ellis has... Um, Three more seasons after this year of getting paid by the the Pacers. A decent amount too, right? Yeah, two point two million. So yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. We'll take so, that right now if they want. So interesting way to do it. Um, really, ultimately comes down to if the owner's willing to pay if they're over the tax um, for someone that's not on the team, and that's a conversation the owner and the GM have. So gotcha. That's salary cap 101 with um, buying out players and waiving them and how it affects their, their salary cap. So if you have any questions on that, feel free to reach out. To Michael, not to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I feel like we went a little long on that podcast, so sorry about that. Uh, this is our all-star version. We're kind of on break, too, with them. Yeah, seriously. Just a casual conversation. Yep. So check that out. Um Again, a lot of good stuff coming to you soon, so look out for it. It's almost March. Ugh, already. <laughs> I know, basketball's going to be over before we know it. I know, then I feel like we can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite, because then free agency comes up pretty quick. The draft, then free agency, and then preseason. It's like, it's the never-ending Just like sport. that, we just combine the whole season into a couple seasons. Here we are. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that was it. Um, here's DJ Zenas for the outro. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?